podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to another episode of Buzz, and this time I'm recording from New York City, a storm-filled New York City. Uh, it's crazy. I've had to spend the night in tonight, my first night in, in this city. Um, there's been <laughs> severe weather warnings of flooding and crazy happenings, and I'm joined by um, Mr. Scott Chandler. Scott, welcome back to Buzz. It's good to be back. I'm glad we're doing a, a podcast. It feels fitting that you're doing a podcast on a show that takes place in the American heartland when you're in the United States. Yeah, and it's very, very strange. The night is very strange. The situation is very strange. And there can only be one thing we're going to be talking about. I've said strange twice, so we might as well make it the third season of Stranger Things. That's what we're talking about. And it's a, it's a you know... A pretty damn good season, I think. So um, we've got we've got a lot to discuss, haven't we, on this one? I think. Yeah, there's a lot to sink your teeth into. It was only eight episodes, but you know it was long anticipated, and I thought it delivered the goods. Yeah. Okay. Let's let's kick this off. And this is um, spoiler zone, folks. You know, there's there's no need to um, really do any too much analysis on this show. What we 100% do know is that this was, I think, Netflix sent out some kind of. Uh, you know, um, press release that it was unbelievably watched. I think 40 million uh, households or something watched it. Something crazy uh, had watched the majority of the episodes already. I think it was only a week or two in. Um, no, how long has it been? It's only been two weeks, right? Three weeks? Almost that? three weeks. It came yeah. out on July 4th. Yeah, so two weeks in. I think that was a week ago. They'd said that this many people had watched it. Now, I think, you know, in a post-got world, there's few, you know, event type television shows but in your opinion is stranger things you know one of those yeah i think it's kind of the closest we're going to get now you know when we finished our game of thrones recap and we were talking about well what comes next what can fill the void this is this was my pick just because you know in order to kind of bring you know so many diverse watching crowds together you got to have something that feels like a moment and you know the lead up with stranger things you know they were they even they they put on a full marketing campaign blitz you know they had new coke came out for you know they were doing all these special tie-ins and you know they were really trying to get the buzz going you know as far as bringing everybody back plus i think netflix you know this is one of their first real hits and with them losing a lot of shows, because, you know, that was the thing. Netflix was surviving so long with, you know, content from other networks and things like that. This had to to bring a hit. And, you know, and there had been some criticisms. I, I thought season two was great, but some people had issues. So this is one that really had to to land and pack a punch. And, you know, I think you saw that with just the, the high quality on the trailers compared to something like season one. I mean, it really got a lot of excitement going. I remember when those things hit and, 
you know, hundreds of thousands of people were watching that. So it, it really got the excitement and it had been a long time. It had been 19 months. So I don't know about you, but I was, I was really ready for it. After Game of Thrones, it took some time off, watched some sports. We, you know, Liverpool gave us a distraction, but you know, right around when July rolled around, it, it, it was time for a, a big TV show to come back. Uh, absolutely was time. And I, I, I was really good with this one. I tried to stay away from all the trailers because, um, Usually I go and spoil stuff and then I start watching things and um, you kind of make, um, you know, you start making up things in your head in, in, in terms of where the story goes. And sometimes, you know, you can be let down by y yourself, by what you're thinking and let yourself get carried away. This time I thought, you know what, I'm going to give Stranger Things Season 3 the uh, the blank canvas and um, I'm not going to watch even a, a, a single trailer. And I didn't. I stayed away. And... Um, that that I thought from my point of view was quite quite impressive because I'm all over things like that normally. But um, I was gonna say you have way more self control than I did. As soon as I got the text from a friend that it came out, every time it was I got to get whatever little taste I can get. But no, I, I that that's cool that you did it that way. I mean, I, I think it, coming into it, you know, like when there's such a build up, but also an anticipation. You know, you don't want to be let down. You know, especially we're all looking for that next thing. And for me, though, I saw the trailers and, and a lot of the big moments, but the way they dramatically put the trailers and cut it, it just it really set a tone for the season. And I thought it really carried in and delivered quite well. Did they do, did they do a marvel on it? They they did, and I mean, well, I don't think that they put anything where Marvel has gotten so good now, where they just intentionally mislead you. And I don't think that it's Avengers Infinity War has been out so long. I think there's a spoiler here, but they clearly changed some of the scenes. So you didn't know what part of the movie it came in and things like that. Whereas this, I think they just, you know, they started like one of the big trailers. They started with, you know, you know, some Motley Crue, Home Sweet Home, just kind of getting the band back together and then fed into, you know, Teenage Wasteland from The Who. And again, it was setting the, kind of the big themes and, you know, it introduced you to, you know, some of the sci-fi elements and then the big monster. But, you know, they left out some of the, obviously the biggest parts, you know, you have to do that. Otherwise you can't, you know, it's terrible when you watch a trailer and they show you all the big jokes and hit points for movie. But I thought it really kind of set the tone and, you know, got you jazzed up and I was like, all right, I'm ready for this. So the countdown in the last week or two, I was trying to rewatch everything just to get ready. And it was, it was a nice lead in. Yeah, and the, the timing of it was amazing, right? July 4th? July 4th, and that was one of the kind of the themes of the trailer is, you know, having like the red, white, and blue fireworks. It's going to be a big American theme, Gags. You're going to have to get with it on this one. But like I said, you're in the States now. You can be an honorary American for a few days. You know, that's how it works. You know, it, and that was the kind of the classic, you know, they're going to some of those 80s tropes and, you know, especially with the, the circus and the mall, you know, the Circus County Fair. They set some of those themes, and I thought it all tied together really nicely, you know, come and start from the start in the trailer. Fair enough. I can't really comment because I didn't look uh, or watch any of the trailers, and I just went straight to the show. So let's go into it. So, I mean, coming into the show, uh, you were wondering, you know, everybody would be wondering how the show would adjust to you know, the actors, that the main actors who are growing, aren't they? They, 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 they? You can't stop nature, really. You can't stop you know what's going to happen and two years almost you know that's that's like gut levels of you know um waiting to, to for this show to come around that's pretty that's pretty risky for the show i thought yeah i mean because 
you know, you kind of get lucky with these things. Either you get great kid actors or you don't. Game of Thrones, obviously, you know, they got really lucky with, you know, Maisie Williams and some of those actors when they got them so young. And, and they've done pretty well, I think, you know, in Stranger Things especially. You know, I'm not totally convinced, you know, that the Will character is a great actor. But, you know, some of the other ones, I mean, Dustin is a hit. You know, I think some of the new additions have been great. You know, obviously, you know, Millie Bobby Brown with Eleven is, you know, becoming like a cult icon. But when you go 19 months, I mean, at this age, I mean, you're going to have dramatic changes for these for these actors and actresses. And it's only been about seven, eight months in the show because they went from Christmas time, 84, into the summer of 85. But, you know, I think the time also gave them you know, a little bit of a breather to, you know, get the writing correct. Because like I said, there were some criticisms of season two. And so, you know, and season two wasn't long after season one. So when you take a big break like that, it gives you some time to reset and really, you know, try and hit all the notes that you're trying to go from. And, you know, that's something that, as I talked about in the trailer, they're trying to lay the theme is, you know, these are, they're all growing up. And what is that transition going to be like? And not just for the, the characters, but also, a meta commentary of the show because the show has to evolve. It's just, you can't stay the same with all the kids, you know, playing D and D or video games. But I thought, it, you know, they, they really wove those things together in order to kind of set the stage. And then it just took off from, from episode one. Absolutely. That, that was, that was the key thing. They had to uh, be clever with the writing, I think in this one, and they had to tr- kind of interweave, like you said, the, the age and the growing up, and the 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 change of focus, uh, from games to girls, wasn't it? I mean, it's there, all, there it's was so some of that coming in the last one. <laughs> Sorry, it's that it's also simple from games to girls, right? That's you make puberty sound so easy. If only high school it was would have been easy for the rest of us. I know, but it, it, it's true though, right? Like, come on, that that's it, they the, 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 there was that recurring theme so many times. I mean, Will, Justin, and Will in this. Kind of like, I mean, even Dustin's got a girlfriend. When that happens, you know, fucking things are changing. But from my point of view, you've got Will as well, who's just kind of left out, isn't he? Yeah, he's kind of the he hasn't oh, grown. The seventh wheel. That guy hasn't grown. Well, and I mean, and Mike even, yeah, Mike. It looks like you know he's getting up to be Peter Crouch size, and he's in approaching six feet. He's on that kind of timeline. Whereas Will is, you know, you could tell the different heights, and I, I haven't looked up the ages. I, I, there's got to be an age difference between some of them too, because Will did not grow, and the other, you know, looks like Lucas and Mike are going to start, you know, featuring for the basketball team. So it is different when they're on that timeline. But you know, Mike, that was one of the things that. I think it was about the third or fourth episode when Mike, you know, called out Will directly. It's like, did you just, you know, think we were going to sit in my basement the whole time? And that's kind of a, you know, a, a, also a critique on the show too. It's like, can you keep it bottled up to that? Or, but naturally they're going to expand characters that go on and do more things. And so the show has to be more, you know, flexible and, and move outside of those tropes and kind of bring in more, especially because, you know, so much of the show is an eighties homage where you bring in some of those things. And that's why, you know, I loved, you know, both the characters, but how they brought in some of the things like the mall and, and the Russians in the eighties. I mean, they hadn't got to that point yet. So the, and I didn't, I never thought that that's where the show was going to go, but you know, that's the other thing is when you have a sci-fi show like this, you have to build the mythology and so many shows do well initially but it, they can kind of lose their way. I mean, that's some of the problem people have with Lost and other things like that, or 
Game of Thrones when you didn't really explain the back scenes behind White Walkers is you got to build the mythology. And the question was, is Stranger Things going to focus more on characters or on the sci-fi element? And I thought they were able to really do both. A lot of people um, had their doubts about the Russian element of the show. Why? Why do we have to do this? Why did they have to do this? Why the pesky Russians again? Why always do we go with that? But I was just thinking that you know it kind of fits the age, the time. You know, it seemed natural to me. I don't know about yourself. Yeah, I mean, you think about the '80s, and I mean, it's still—I mean, it's still the cold. You know, we in the, especially the mid '80s. You know, people didn't know that the Cold War was, you know, coming to the end of the, you know, in 89, 90, but you were still kind of in the thick of it. And that was the Red Dawn was one of the biggest influences of, you know, you have the Russians invading this small American town and you have these band of teenagers, you know, taking on, you know, the Russian army or government. And so, I mean, you know, the Duffer brothers are trying to, you know, hat tip all to all these great, you know, shows and movies and themes that we love from the 80s. I mean, it's really a show built on nostalgia, but, you know, doing it in a new way. Plus, I mean, think about it. You know, even, you know, stuff like James Bond, you know, you have different villains in each movie, but the Russians are always lurking behind. You know, they're always there waiting and, you know, and they would filter in somehow, even when they weren't the main villain of that particular movie, you know, like For Your Eyes Only was one that comes to mind. So I I thought it was poignant that they did that because it, it would feel weird and not of the time to address you know the cold war in the presence of the russians because you know for america it's it's still that specter they're still the boogeyman i mean you know they started a little bit in seasons one and two they had you know the reagan element in, in morning in america and mr wheeler's like we're all patriots here so i mean that is a big theme of what's going on in america especially small towns and so that's the way that they were able to bring that trope into it. So, yeah, I, I wasn't sure how they were going to fit that into the upside down. And, and that's still one of the things we, we don't know as much and we'll get to see more. But, you know, that's one of the things I I wasn't expecting until I saw some of the trailers. But, you know, I, I like the way that they were able to bring that in because it, it does expand the world a little bit because you're going to have to naturally do it. You know, you can't be in Hawkins forever or maybe you can. We'll have to see. Yeah, this is never going to end. I think even the owners, well, we'll get to that at the end. Not the owners, the writers. We'll get to what they said at the end of the show. But, you know, the Mind Flayer coming back because of the Russians is just one of the craziest concoctions in a television show that you're going to get, I think. (laughs) But, yeah, they made it work. That was the key thing, right? They made it work. So I think this segues into nicely um, into new characters, buddy. Um, who was the standout then in the additions for you? I thought really it was Robin. You know, it's not, you know, we talked about just a little few minutes ago, just about, you know, what do you get with child actors? Well, Robin is the daughter of Uma Thurman and Ethan Hawke. So if anybody's going to have, you know, the pedigree, it's almost when two famous athletes, you know, get married and have a kid and you expect them to, you know, be a great tennis player or footballer or something like that. You know, it wasn't surprising just how good she was. And, you know, that's not to say, you know, she was on screen a lot with Steve and Dustin. Those are two of the strongest characters in the show. And those guys have been good actors. I think, you know, that's one of the things that, you know, surprised the showrunners even surprised Steve them is, just how Steve, Steve worked. Is brilliant. Steve, I mean, the Steve the Hair Harrington. Yeah, I mean, you got to love timing, it. Timing, everything of his is excellent, you know, in comedy, in in everything. He's just, he he even though he had serious, you know, 
parts in this in this in the series, but I thought the comedy aspect was brilliant from him. He was he was the timing that he, everything was perfect. He was so good, just so so good. The the comic relief, even in the in the in the danger moments, was just brilliant. I thought from him. So yeah, he was honestly um the guy that had the girl in the first season and in the second season, just kind of like the loser. He's proper gone from riches to rags rather than the other way around, and it's it's crazy how they you know split everybody off in this show but we'll we'll get there we'll get there i totally agree with you um she's she was fantastic as an actress uh, as an actor sorry i thought she was um she was really one of the highlights of the show in this one and she really bounced well the chemistry between the two of them um was was off the charts and at the time you did think that they were going to hook up until that scene happened yeah, and she revealed her, you know, actually who she was and, and, you know, her personality and, you know, and, and what she's interested in, so to speak. But, you know, that really created an emotional moment because, again, you know, you're going, I mean, Steve is growing up. I mean, he's going outside of his bubble as the king of high school into, you know, more of the real world. And, you know, and like you said, Steve is such a, you know, great comic relief. And he's got that moment with Dustin when they're on the, the you know, the, uh, binoculars and they're spying around the mall and he's like you got this great girl in front of you and he's like hey it's not about popularity those stupid you know things we care about in high school you're older now you should just want to spend time with hanging out with somebody but you know they have a platonic relationship by the end where they you know it's not love because she's not interested in him or men but they have this this friendship and it, it's so great the way you know she's needling him in the beginning about his you know striking out with girls and she's got the scoreboard and it just you know i think it's what injects or it injects such levity and fun into the show and yes there are serious moments and it ended on a very emotional and serious tone that we'll talk about but i think that's one of the things i like transitioning off game of thrones is game of thrones was funny but it was darker and it was heavier and it got so heavy by the end so it was nice to have this light you know it felt like a summertime blockbuster it's supposed to be enjoyable it's supposed to be you know funny and 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 perfect for the time of year so that's and she brought that too same thing with erica you know being in the ice cream shop as well and then when you brought erica robin dustin and steve all together and they had like you said they were splitting up in pairs and the show has done so well i think with putting the right combinations of characters and yeah i mean just built all around starcourt and that was several episodes long but none of it felt you know overbearing or really you know except for maybe some of the ice cream stuff with erica i loved erica i thought she was really funny again that group of them had the comic relief aspect all the time between the three of them um they really give uh, each group something different to bring to the table in terms of the show and i thought these guys were the comic relief and therefore you need an over-the-top character Someone who's going to come in and just shake it up a little bit. And she was the, the X factor in that for me. I thought she really funny, really confident, uh, really bossy as well. And, uh, I, I think it was, I honestly thought it was, it was a lot of fun. And, and the point is, it's not something that's just come out of the blue. This character was there in, um, season two, but albeit a, you know, a backstage kind of person who, who wasn't really doing too much, but they brought it to the fore. And I thought, I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. I just thought it was really sassy. 
and really cute at times. It was, um, yeah. I yeah, they gave her more to do. Was yeah. do you think it's a little bit like it's got for me? It's got a little bit of element of the Mormont from Game of Thrones, where they they have this character was supposed to be really small, probably a couple throwaway lines, and that's it. But they're like, ah, maybe we have something here. And then again, in another '80s reference, short round from Temple of Doom, you have this little kid who's sassy and mouthy, but is you know taken on adults and plays you know big into the action. He's awesome, short round was. Yeah. And the way that she just like takes on what's his name at the end, and, and he goes, "Who's this four-year-old speaking to me like this?" Hilarious! And didn't she get the cattle prod? Didn't she find that thing too? So she finds this big weapon, and and she's negotiating. I mean, she's you know, she's like, "I want ice cream for life for the whole year." It's just unbelievable for a kid. Just, just that's what I said. Sassy. She just says sassy. Um, what about the side characters, mate? There were some more as well. Yeah, I mean, there was a whole bunch. You know, I, I liked, you know, it was another, you know, kind of character actor. They brought in Jake Busey, and you only think, like, these these over-the-top villains from the 80s. You know, they're usually always blonde, or, you know, they're they're a little bit just too grating, and you have some of the chauvinist element. They're German or something, aren't they? Yeah. Well, he looks a little German. He's got the blonde hair, blue eyes. But, you yeah. know, and Busey had, you know, he was from Starship Troopers way back in the day. So, you know, I recognize him right away. And I'm like, God, it's been a half minute since I've seen this guy. But, you know, a little callback from the past. And, you know, you have the writing staff, too. I mean, huge writing staff for a small town at the Hawkins Post. But, you know, I thought that was, you know, one, you know, they had these little themes. And, you know, it's maybe a little different looking back, you know, maybe at the time, you know, you're thinking, ah, you know, this woman trying to, you know, maybe some of those things that Hollywood didn't touch on and stuff. But, you know, in the Me Too era, especially looking back, you really see, you know, how that, you know, has a real effect because, you know, for one character, you know, because he's male, they treat him totally different and because another character female. So, you know, but it was a good way of kind of, you know, looking at it through different eyes and a different time. And, it, you know, it kind of plays on that nostalgia because why should they be really be treating Nancy anything different than Jonathan? And you could tell she's more the go-getter where Jonathan just wants to sit in the, you know, dark room and develop the photos. But, you know, it kind of, again, you had these different villains and, you know, for me, that's when I watch these eighties movies, there is such a, you know, the good and light, you know, these classic villains, you know, that's where they, you know, they kind of brought them in, you know, especially with the Russians too. Yeah. I enjoyed the, the them as the villains. I thought they brought across the, the male chauvinist aspect really well and I think that was a, a good uh, you know a good way of showing the times that the respect is much more now than it was then and this this kind of stuff must have happened so much back then it was so backwards I think it was so backwards everything was just backwards and you know I thought they I think I thought they depicted that really well in terms of her being you know she was she you know backs against the wall all the time for both of them really but her more so and how she's trying to fight it. So I enjoyed, I really enjoyed that, yeah. Really yeah, did. and on that, yeah, and that thing, it's like, you know, this is a show about nostalgia, and we look back on these, these movies and these time, you know, moments in time it, with a lot of fondness, but you look back and, you know, there are some movies you look back and they make some, you know, jokes that you're like, holy cow, how, you're, they're almost cringeworthy. And, and I think this is a little bit of a magnifying glass on that. It's, you know, yeah, it, there were some things back, you know, there's some things that were wholesome and you look back fondly and then you look back and you go, oh yeah, we have come a little way a little bit. So I, I think that was, you know, a nice twist on it because so much of the show is based off of nostalgia for the 80s. Well, here's a little bit of the negative part too. Absolutely. Definitely um, there was a negative. And um, what about the Terminator? 
I, I oh, yeah, he was he was fucking great. I thought he was excellent. He really pulled that off. He did. I mean, with the jeans and just kind of the silent, and then picking and lifting the guy up in the you know the first scene of the whole show. But then you know they see him apart, and he's tough to take down. And it's just it's the slow moving through the woods, and then he gets you know finds a way to keep following him. And I loved the mirrors in the you know the fun house at the the county fair, and that was something that they had previewed in the trailer. And it was like, is this an assassin? And then it was like, oh, this is going to be a Russian, you know, kind of you know, soldier type guy, but the way that they wove in the Terminator, I thought was pretty cool. Yeah, me too. And he did come across really nasty and a piece of work, you know, like, like the Terminator did. You did want to run. The first thing in your mind was, yeah, 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 let's run. Let's run. Like if I was there, I would run. Yeah, but he's going to keep coming after you. Exactly. exactly. It's coming no matter what, but you've just got to get on the run. And I think that was the beauty of it as well, that they really brought that over. So yeah, it was great. And, Alexei's story was sad in the end, um, but it was good. It was really good. Yeah, and, and they kind of tied him in with the Terminator because you know Grigori is the one he finds him and, and and shoots him at the 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 circus. But you know they had with Alexei, you know it was about you know just this kind of this kitschy moment of you know this guy from a strange land comes into America and he's loving all the tropes. Maybe you can relate. You know, you say how much you love America too. It's like you know all the American kitschy stuff. So you know something different. But you know it was kind of sweet. And you know he was this nice guy. Who was you know he's part of this awful you know machine that's trying to you know reopen the upside down and and do some terrible things. But you know he just wanted to hang out and win some carnival games. He really did. He really did that. The big kid came out of him, and um, the human element came out of the shit in the show. Of this person who is supposed to be uh, on the evil side of things and totally gets humanized by a carnival, you know, and, and by uh, the other guy. What's his name? Sorry. Who, who, oh, the journal. Yeah, the journalist who we did see. A little, and that was kind of cool how they brought that back, no, too. So, I mean, or you mean the the other Russian um, No, no, scientist? the guy who's with him in the end when he dies. Yeah, he was the, you know, he's the conspiracy guy, Murray yes. Bauman. Yes, yes, yes. That's yeah, it. Murray's great. Yeah, and that name. was another great way to bring him back, and he got a little bit more run this time around. And, and, and yeah, it was very sweet. And that's the thing, they hit some of those emotional chords. And, you know, I think it's pretty cool. Again, you have these tent poles in the season. You know, the, obviously, Star Court is a big one. And, you know, I, I, I loved the, the pool that we'll talk about that. But, you know, the, it, talking about the circus and how that played, you know, it, you had Grigori there. That was a cool element. You had some of the, you know, the, the trees are moving sort of like Jurassic Park when, you know, the little Wheeler girls on the top of the Ferris wheel. You have all these characters that are in this moment. And then you have the mayor, too, played by another legendary, you know, 80s actor. Carrie Elwes plays the mayor, mayor Larry Klein. And he's just the stereotypical smarmy, you know, uh, you know, on the take, poli- you, know, po- you know, American politician. But, you know, he was great as a foil for Hopper, but then he also played up that grandstanding at the circus. So it was just, it was a great backdrop and it allowed you to kind of like live in those moments. And, you know, being from a, I grew up in part in a small Midwestern town in the U.S., that's exactly what this these carnivals are like. You have the big Ferris wheel and all these rides and it's hot, but 
that's the moment of the summer where everybody's coming together and you have the whole town. And, and, and I thought that was just a great set piece to really have all these different characters, both old and new, kind of interacting. I totally agree. I totally agree. Um, any other side actors or side um, characters that you want to talk about? Well, she was so brief, but you know, <laughs> the introduction with Susie was pretty. That's one of my highlights of the the whole season was that that moment and 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 you know, so okay, so the whole season they're you know they're making fun of Dustin like, oh yeah, she really exists. And I mean, he obviously played her up. Oh, hot, you know, she's super smart and hotter than Phoebe Cates. And they're like, there's no way she <laughs> exists. But you know, they they it was one of those almost Family Guy things where they you know they do it they they just go back to the well on this joke. I mean, you almost ex- so by the end I was you know first you're like oh maybe she doesn't exist, but I mean I don't know about you, but I was like oh yeah they definitely have to bring her in somehow because they've they've been beating this with a you know to the beating a dead horse. Yeah, and then the never ending story stuff was just brilliant, wasn't it? And just everyone just wants to see the never ending story. <laughs> oh yeah, and then they brought in the synth, and you know that's another thing that's great about the Stranger Things. You know when they had, you know, that they played the synth music, and they, and they, you know, the party theme when they play that, and it's like that the Stranger Things, not the intro theme song, but the synth theme song for the kids. So that's always great when you're back living in Stranger Things world to hear that. But yeah, when they got Never Ending Story, and it wasn't enough that they sang it a cappella, then to play it over that was just perfect. And you have all these reactions, like Hopper is great, like, is this happening right now, all these kids on the speaker? And Erica shut them off early, she's like, all right, that's enough. But it was just, it was perfect for that that moment, you know, just as just bringing in all these 80s tropes and, and doing it in different ways. And, you know, I thought that it was kind of like the Guardians of the Galaxy type thing when you have this big climax and you have this absolutely goofy and silly moment, but it works. It really works. It really did. It really, really did. It was mo- so much fun. Um, yeah. yeah, okay. Uh, when we When we start looking at the broader elements of this show, I did find that the first three episodes maybe were were slow. I, you know, I was really worried because we were binging this, but, and I think we did half and half. Uh, we were planning to do the pod half and half as well, weren't we? So when we were planning to watch it half and half. And so we watched the first three and, you know, me and my girls are just looking around at each other going, Really? Um, this isn't really doing much for us, and I, I, we were worried. Uh, let's 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 be honest. We were very very worried at this point. Yeah, you know, I I guess I had a different experience with it. Maybe I'm easier to please. I don't know, but I I really liked the first. You know, I I always like when you have the show that comes back after a while, and you know, a lot of them do this. You know, getting the band back together, or in this one, you know, literally home from summer camp type type episodes where it's, you know, getting the characters back, setting the table. But, you know, I thought that they kind of, you know, you know, even early in the first episode, you see, you know, the mind flayers taking form and you're kind of say, okay, well, what's it going to be the, you know, laying the pieces for, you know, the larger, broader arcs. And, you know, when you have, you know, Billy gets sucked down into the basement of the warehouse and it's kind of say, all right, this is where we're going. But yeah, I mean, it probably did build much more of a crescendo, you know, around episodes four and five. I mean, episode four had in the sauna test had that big, you know, battle at the pool. And I think you saw just, you know, with the mind flare, you know, obviously he was powerful. He took over Will in season two and he's the big bad guy. But 
this was something different. This was him challenging 11 right away. So, yeah, maybe it took a little bit going into it. But, yeah, I watched him in – I think I watched the first one, the first two, and then I took a break and watched him over a few days. But, you know, each time I felt like I just couldn't wait to get to the next episode. I was just – it took some willpower to kind of say, no, I have to go to bed because I, I would have watched the whole thing straight through if I had the ability. Well, I watched four. So I got to season, I got to episode four. And the thing took off. I think that the thing just went nuts. You know, like you just said, the full, the full sauna stuff. It was, you really then really, really got into the taste of it and the flavor for it and the power. And, you know, just, I just thought, okay, I can't put this down now. I can't put this down. So I ended up, I think we ended up watching six on the night. And save two. Yeah, we watched six for the night and we ended up finishing the next two first thing in the morning because it was getting late. So I really did think they nailed four, five, six, seven and eight. They really nailed them. I, I honestly, it was just the way that they, they just moved on. And I think there were a couple of episodes that were longer than, the, than others as well. Maybe the penultimate two, the, the final two, sorry, the penultimate and the finale were longer. So. You know, you, you got a bit of a payoff in terms of, you know, oh, it's only eight episodes, but, you know, I think there were some lengthy ones in there, Scott. Yeah, the, the final episode definitely packed a punch. I think that was over an hour. And, and even I was rewatching some of the episodes to get ready for the pod. And, I, and it was, you know, cause sometimes you, when you watch something so quickly and I was watching them late at night. So, you know, some of your memory gets a little frayed, but I went back and watched them. I was like, man, okay, season four ends with that big, you know, battle at the, at the pool or episode four. And then episode five and six are at the hospital. And then that's the cliff, one of the cliffhangers at the hospital. And then season or episode six, you know, you start to get in the, the county fair and then you have the battle out at the cabin when that's such a cool scene. And then, you know, seven and eight start to get into the battle, battle of star court. So it's just, you have these huge, you know, action moments, you know, in almost every one of those episodes and, you know, some of the cool, um, you know, the, I don't know how you call it, but you know the the dream world scenes with Eleven, where she's going into Billy's flashbacks. So I mean, the way that they did some of that, and and I thought it was really cool how Eleven got to interact more with the the Mind Flayer this season, because they had that moment at the end of season two where she shuts it, and he, you know, he's recognizing his foe. But for them to kind of explore that out, and you know, unlike maybe some of the the villains in Game of Thrones, like the White Walkers, you actually get to hear the Mind Flayer talk and some of the motivation. I, that certainly adds depth to the villain and makes it more impactful. Really does. Really does. I mean, they, they, like you said, there were so many things to talk about here and so many scenes, but we can get we can get through some of them. So how about some of your favorite um, 80s references? Yeah, we talked about Terminator was really good and just how that, you know, you just had this, you know, relentless enemy. Uh, mm-hmm. Red Dawn was great, you know, having the, the kids versus the, the, the Russians. But, you know, and then looking back, one of the things that I noticed in the second watch was, you know, the monster had that aliens type scene over Nancy in the hospital. So, I mean, that was kind of cool. And then, you know, the way that they did the, the monster itself is kind of very thing like, you know, just this gross, disgusting, um, you know, monster. It was something different. How did you, you know? You said you watched it with, uh, I think, your wife. How did how did you how did they like it? You know, different people like gory stuff a little bit differently. So, how, what was their experience? Yeah, she was definitely like, you know, um, <laughs> you know, when the, when, whenever it turned into blubber, 
the wife was really like disgusted. The kids were used to stuff like that, but the wife, I mean, the rat stuff at the start, you know, how it kind of like, you know, they carry the, the virus kind of thing. Do you get what I mean? Like the way they played it, that it got inside all the rats and the rats came into the garage and then they just started exploding, which is what people were doing themselves to get this to join up together to become bigger and bigger and bigger and how it evolved during the show this this thing I, 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 it just was so good I, I really enjoyed that actually I really enjoyed that that kind of explanation of like it starts small in who it possesses and then has to work its way up to human beings and and then it needs that it needs humans to make it the size that it is I mean it's it's got through quite a lot of people yeah, like, I was trying to keep count. I mean, yeah. you know, because there's the one scene in the basement after the sauna uh, battle where, you know, Billy and Heather are down there and you see like there's like 20 humans down there and then there's the big monster in the background. But that thing is so huge and coming after him in the finale, almost like the T-Rex from Jurassic Park. So, I mean, that had to be dozens, maybe a hundred. But yeah, it was just so... It was cool how they did it because it's so gross, but it's so visceral, you know, you know, after the battle at the hospital... You know, the monster that had been joined from the two writer guys goes into the, the drain, but it leaves the bone behind. It's like the femur bone. So you see it is literally made up of these decomposed and combusted, you know, mushy, you know, bodies. So it, it adds that, you know, it's the level of grossness, but it, you know, and fear too. It had a little more scary elements to it, which I like. Definitely. It was much more uh, edge of your seat stuff. That's always going to be better, right? That's what that that type of shit was missing from the gut finale, you know, <laughs> the edge of seat moments that we wanted. But in this show, in this show, there was many, and they kept bringing them in every episode. Like you actually felt like someone was gonna go in some of those episodes. You actually felt like this is looking really precarious, and they did well not to kill anyone off, you know. Um, yeah, I mean. They, maybe somebody could have gone, but I think it was the suspense of it, you know, rewatching the hospital scenes. It's a little bit like The Shining, you know, they're coming, you know, um, the two writer guys are coming after uh, Nancy and Jonathan. And you're like, well, one of them might actually get it here. You know, they're coming after them and, you know, they're probably not. But, you know, that suspense and intensity, you know, really, you know, add something to it. And in each one of those, and even, and, you know, in the cabin, when the arms of the monster are coming in and, you know, they're you know really under duress and it's busting the whole thing up i mean there's these really huge moments where it's you know you can really feel it viscerally you know for the characters you know and and those big moments and to have each one of those episodes have a a a moment like that and then building up to the finale where you know obviously the monster is chasing them through the you know down the road but then in the huge battle of star court uh, it's just, it was incredible. I mean, the Star Court was really probably one of the highlight moments of the show. I mean, I thought the gate, you know, the season two finale was pretty great. And, you know, some of the scenes, you know, at the lab, you know, you know, poor one out for Bob, <laughs> superhero Bob, he got it at the end of last season. But yeah, for me, the, I, I think you can make a real argument that the finale of this season, the Battle of Star Court might have been the best episode of the whole series. Yeah, probably was actually, to be fair. Um, what did you think of the, 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 the long-running Susie thing in the end? I think you mentioned a little bit about it, but did you actually think she was going to turn up? I, I I mean, I forgot. I actually forgot about her. 
I did too. I had the same thing because well, so much was going on and it was so intense and it feels like you're going from one set piece to another. But then when Dustin's like, I, I, I know how to get this equation, you're like, oh, okay, they're going to go up to the hill and he's going to contact her and I forgot about it. But it was it was a pretty funny running gag and it, it was kind of one of those cool things for Dustin to be like, yeah, I told you so. This is what's up. And but and to do the never ending story, it's the, you know just a classic 80s movie and song. I mean, uh, you know, there's a punk cover of it done by Newfound Glory that I love. So I mean, like as soon as they, it came on, I remember all the words. I was like, yes, it had like one of those fist pumping. Yes, moments that is pretty cool. That you, um, you know, you see some definitely in Marvel movies a lot. So it was it was pretty cool to have that type of a moment in in, like I said, in a pretty climactic part of the whole uh, series. Yeah. It was good. It, 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 again, it brought more banter, more um, more comedy factor, didn't it? it especially at the end when they're, they're teasing Dustin with the song. It, I just thought that was such a clever... Just, I mean, the interaction of them all has been magnificent. And I think it's a nice part to talk about things like that and your favourite parts of the show. Um, yeah, go, go for it. Go and hit me with a few. I'm sure we'll, we'll be um, you know, having some of the similar ones. Well, yeah, the, like you just said, the never-ending story part is just, it's, it's, it's hilarious because then they start needling him about the dusty bun and then it became this big meme on the internet. And that's sort of, you know, calling back to, you know, we're talking about the modern culture. What's the next big show? And I thought that this really hit in the way that was unexpected because of just how funny and how, you know, much that scene resonated with viewers that it becomes this, you know, huge meme on the internet. You know, you have, Jimmy Fallon and Stephen Colbert doing their own version, you know, that they put out and just everybody's kind of doing that, the never ending story challenge. And I, I thought that that was great how they did that. And just like you said, these characters have these interactions. You really feel like they're actual friends because they have these jokes on the way they, they make fun of each other and the way they interact that, you know, they feel like really bonded characters. So the writing is good there. But yeah, I mean, I, I thought from start to finish, you know, like I said, the big, Temple stuff was great with the Starcourt Mall, but I love the pool. You know, you had, you know, the fast times at Ridgemont High callback, but this time they flipped it on its head and said Billy's playing the Phoebe Cates role. And, you know, when you think of like, you know, these summer movies like Sandlot, the pool is a big thing. And, you know, when you have these, you know, that took place more in the 50s, but when you had these, you know, 80s and 90s movies, the pool is such a, you know, you think so many movies have it, you know, like Christmas Vacation has, you know, a pool scene in there. So to have stuff like that, I thought was really great. Um, what did you think, uh, as far as, you know, maybe what did, what did, you know, there were so many moments with Eleven. What did, what stood out for you as far as Eleven's biggest moments? Cause she's still really the star of the whole show. She is. She always makes me feel X Men y. You know, I always feel like that's always the, the kind of, you know, stuff she's doing, the powers. It always feels like some kind of X Men power. Do you get what I mean? Um, but yeah, she's, um, she had, she had so many moments. I mean, the start, they were really annoying me, her and Mike, because they were coming across as a bunch of idiots, you know, with the, with the Hopper. They really were torturing him kind of thing, you know, with what they were doing and how they were behaving. That was annoying. They came across. It was a lot annoying. of disrespect. It was yeah. a lot of disrespect to Hopper. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It was coming across as annoying as well, but Hopper really, you know, kicked his ass. And I, I really enjoyed the bits where, her and Max got to go away and do girly things because, you know, that became a bit more realistic because, or, or at least she was trying, starting to learn more things 
Um, there's only so much you're going to learn by hanging around with the same guy all the time. And they made that clear in the show. And they put that across in the show. And I thought the relationship with her and Max uh, evolved as well in the show. Uh, remember that you know she was jealous of her at the start because of, of the season, last season. Um, when she first sees her with Mike. But um, this was this was great. This was really good girls versus boys type thing. You know, that that kind of um, high school, you know, that this type of, you know, needle, you call it needle banter happens. Uh, and, you know, people break up and people people get back together again. And these, these little wars are ongoing and ensuing. Um, and I, I just thought that worked. That worked so well. Moving her away from Mike's probably was be- the best thing that could have happened in the show. Writing wise, yeah. yeah, she's branching out a little bit and exploring because you know she's still acclimating. I mean, you know, in the first season or two, she's not really speaking full English sentences. I mean, she's you know, she you know, because of the way she grew up and you know, and just this lab experiment, you know, she's really starting to learn about the broader world. Like you said, when they have that classic 80s montage of trying on clothes or things like that, and they're playing Material Girl, I mean, the show did so great this season with you know, a lot of great songs from that era. But yeah, it, it gave her, you know, a place to, you know, kind of explore the studio space a little bit. Plus, you also got to see a little bit of, you know, when you think about being a teenager, every little drama is the most important thing going on in your life. And then you look back on it, and you're like, yeah, you broke up, you got back together again about 50 different times. It really wasn't anything in the scheme of it. But yeah, they, they really kind of let, you know, some of the other side of her shine. Plus, you got to see her vulnerability, you know, in the Battle of Starcourt when she got wounded and you know, her powers wane and, you know, that allowed other characters to step up and take, you know, take a big role. So you kind of saw a lot of different sides of her that whole whole season, which I really liked. And, you know, and my goodness, you know, the Battle of Starcourt. I mean, I feel like we talked forever on that one. There were so many different parts to it, both the, inside the mall and below ground. I mean, it was just an incredible you know, it really you could see the difference in resources and money that Netflix is pumping into the show. You know, not that season one wasn't great, but, you know, you have there the finale is just Eleven versus the Demogorgon inside, you know, the school. This is like that to the nth degree. Yeah, I enjoyed the stuff underground before the, the, the finale as well. I enjoyed how they got down there accidentally. They, you know, he's pissing on the side of it. And then the guys come in and smell and go, ooh, what's, what's where the piss come from? That <laughs> 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 was really good. And then uh, they get drugged and stuff and how they escape and, you know, how she's she's clever and she can, she, she's like, you know, because she is the one, um, Robin, that is, who, who cracks the code and then she's trying to do the code to the, to the Russians. It's just, it was just all really, really good. And then they get drugged as well. And that made it really funny and how they were behaving in the cinemas and, Obviously, they get their big moment when it starts to wear off at the end in the toilets, you know, in the restrooms. And that just the whole thing of it was built up really nicely, done really nicely, set up nice, you know. Um, Like you said, the cabin scene was magnificent. Again, you think something's going to happen. It's attacking from every angle now. And um, they're coming up short, or it's also, it seemed. And there was just so much edge in those scenes, you just felt like, oh shit, it's gonna win. Surely it's gonna take someone. It's gonna take something. Like I said, they did really well to still get you to think each time that they were in trouble. Cause sometimes in a show, you can kind of start thinking, nah, 
It's gonna get away again. They're gonna get away with it again. They're gonna, you know, they're gonna keep, they're gonna keep winning this. It'll be fine. But I thought they did a good enough job to think, uh oh, this time, uh oh, this time, and that was what was going through my mind. Which one's going? So I, yeah, I thought there was some, some magnificent bits, um, in 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 the entire thing. So, um, what else was there? What else did I enjoy out of it? Um, yeah, the hospital. You mentioned the hospital scene. That was, that was freaky as well with the the writers, um, the writing team coming after them, and really, you know, doing a number on them. I thought that that was, again, built the tension perfectly. Yeah, and you got to see, you know, we just keep seeing Eleven's powers. You know, she, and that was the thing. It's that was the evolution of her over the season. It's like, okay, she came in and she saved the day in the sauna. She came in and saved the day at the hospital. But at the end, you know, they had to turn Eleven. You know, because you can't keep going back to the well every single time. You ha- it has to be something different. It can't just be Eleven is the, the savior. And, you know, you have all different characters coming together, you know, to turn off the machine, try and take down the monster. You know, they, the, uh, the fireworks were great. You know, again, a part of the Fourth of July theme of it all, the fireworks were great. And then you have Billy with the redemption moment of, you know, helping to do that too. So, yeah, I, I just, I think they really set up the set pieces well. They, they, they wove in the action. You know, along with some of the dialogue scenes and, you know, even with some of the, you know, the big time moments, you know, they still took the pause and, you know, you know, some of the things you see in, you know, like, you know, the middle of Empire Strikes Back, you know, you have all these action moments, but, you know, it gives you that moment where they can talk to each other and and feel the emotion. And, you know, the interrogation scene kind of reminded me of that kind of callback to, you know, when Vader's interrogating Han Solo to, you know, that what do you want me to tell you? And it's more just about, you know, torturing them and anything else. But yeah, I, I think it hit, it had a lot of climactic moments throughout the season. Um, that really felt like it worked for me. I mean, honestly, there really wasn't a whole lot that I felt didn't work. You know, I think you mentioned, you know, the stuff with Hopper, Mike, and Eleven at the beginning. It was a little goofy, but on a rewatch, I really, you know, I kind of got it because I was like, oh man, Hopper's a little weird and Hopper's, you know, is basically my favorite character along with Steve and Dustin. And I felt that was kind of a weird look for him, you know, especially in some of his interactions with Joyce. But, you know, then I kind of got it as the season went along. You know, I wasn't sure. Was there anything, you know, you talked about the pacing, what you wasn't doing it for you. Was there anything else that just didn't land for you? Um, yeah. I mean, the, what, 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 was the, what was the real reason the Russians were there? That was definitely one. You know, it was, that was well weird. Um, then more other stuff that, you know, is, is here as well is how many people went missing? Nobody, nobody saw the thing. Nobody mentioned the thing. And it, it is gonna, it's gonna be weird. It's gonna be, I mean, they tried to cover some of that in the news bulletin at the end, you know, but was that enough? I feel like they kind of glossed over like a huge, like, it's a little different when just Barb goes missing. It's like, oh yeah, this was a chemical leak. Okay, we might be able to explain why one person died or a couple of people. You have large parts of like random parts of this tiny town are all gone missing. Nobody's gonna think of like where were all these people? Like they're just gonna say, oh, they were all at the mall at the time. I guess it's just kind of a kind of a convenient explanation. It seemed like there'd be some digging. I thought so too. Maybe that comes in the next season though. Maybe that comes in the next season. Like even maybe you know, with with obviously the end scene credits, maybe we find out more why the Russians are doing what they're doing in that season. But 
yeah, these questions will always be asked when you're watching a show and um, something doesn't seem as clear as as you want it to be. Um, but yeah, it, it was it was interesting. Otherwise, um, what else didn't work? Um, no, I thought otherwise. Apart from that, it was it was complete to being something that was flawless. Even the ones that we've talked about. Maybe they'll be explained in the next season. I can see that the writing gets better, you know, or at least turned around with that. And and that's the beauty of a show that's going to continue. You can you can really go to town on the, some of the holes that are there and answer them really well and have something in place for them, so that the, so that when people look back, it doesn't seem as a bad decision on on which way the story went. You know. No, I thought they made a a lot of of good decisions, especially the way they used Billy. I think people had a lot of problems with. You know, Billy, you know, he's a little over the top or crass or like, where is this character going? Some people, I mean, you know, but he seems like a, a fun guy to hate. But, you know, one of the things that they brought him in is, okay, we're going to give him a centerpiece. And yeah, he wasn't necessarily himself, so to speak, for most of the season, but having him play some of that, that role, I thought was good. And, and that's what happens when you take so much time is, you know, you can work on the writing more. I think, you know, one of the things that happened with True Detective, you know, season two is really poor in a lot of ways. Well, you know, Nick Pizzolatto said, well, you know, he kind of rushed it. You know, they HBO, like, hey, season one was great. Let's get you into season two. And I think season two had far more missteps, you know, Stranger Things than, you know, seasons one and three had precisely because of that. So by taking the time, you know, I, they were really able to, you know, hit the notes that they wanted to hit. And it was a, you know, I think it was just well written and well acted. And, you know, going forward, like you said, you know, they set things up with the teaser. You know, I, I think that one of the things we're going to looking forward is, is, you know, ties in with probably the heavy emotional moment of the whole series is, is Hopper dying. And, you know, he's reading that letter at the end of it. You know, that was pretty heavy and, and pretty emotional stuff. And I, and I think it was pretty, you know, shows that this series is growth as it's gone along the way. And I think it's going to set up, you know, the next big question of, is he really dead? Not unlike, you know, did Jon Snow really die? Because it's hard to see such a huge character actually being killed off. Like you said, there were a lot of moments where is somebody going to get it? And nobody really did, you know, that we care about. You know, Billy died, but, you know, we can deal with that. But Hopper dying, and if he's really dead, that's a huge decision for the show. Yeah, and that's why, you know, they don't show him dying. Because that that's why it keeps it open, and that's why everybody will now contemplate and speculate on on this being the mystery of the of the show, you know, and he'll be back for the next one because you don't see a body, you don't see it explode. In fact, he's there one second, the cutscene, he's gone. So it's very interesting before the thing blows. So yeah, I do think they did um they they did they, they did really well with with what they did in the end because. You know, even the missus was, was in tears. So that's pretty damn good. Pretty damn good show. When you can get an emotional connection with a show, that means it's done very, very well. Well, when you have an episode like that that can make you laugh, make you cry, has you on the edge of your seat, excitement. I mean, that's a pretty damn good episode <laughs> that can pack all those things into one. And, you know, I just... It could feel like they'll cheapen it a little bit, though. I mean, this isn't like a Han Solo and Empire Strikes Back thing where it's like, okay, he's frozen in carbonite. We're probably going to get him back in the next one. This is a real question because if he does come back, it's like, well, does that 
you know, then looking back, lessen it, but you know, though that moment and the heaviness of it and how great it was and the writing and the way, and just the way they did it of him talk, like I said, talking over with the letter, but you could still respect that moment and say, well, you know, we don't really want to lose Hopper because, you know, the showrunners intended to kill Steve off after one ep- one season. He was supposed to be just, you know, classic 80s villain and then get rid of him. But, you know, they realized what they had with the character. And if you think, all right, if we, if they had gotten rid of him after season one, you miss all, you miss the Dustin buddy comedy in season two, and then you miss it with Dustin and Robin in season three. So you miss out on some great moments. Plus, you know, maybe it's like a search for Spock type thing. They got to go find Hopper. You know, is he in the upside down? Is he the American, you know, in the other cell in the Russian facility? And, um, I think they have to do something like this because it's got to be different. I think even with the show, what they said was how many times can we depict that these kids are in trouble? How many times in their lives are they going to have summers that it's going to be crazy things going on, stranger things happening? It gets to a point where you're thinking, yeah, this is just too far-fetched now. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, so my guess is I still think that he's probably going to come back. Also, quick shout-out to the Russian facility in Kamkacha for all the Risk uh, board game players out there. Can't forget Kamkacha, key country in that game. But, uh, yeah, I just I think that there's too much teased, you know, that Hopper's going to come back. And when you don't see somebody like that die, I mean, even Dr. Brenner, you know, could be and probably is coming back because he was mentioned as still being alive in season two. So I don't know. I, I, I can't see it. It has to be, it feels like it has to either be Hopper and he's coming back somehow, or it's going to be Dr. Brenner. It's, it feels like it has to be one or the other. I don't know who else the American would be. Can you think of anybody who would possibly be that role or why they would mention that? Nope. Not at all. It's got to be Hopper. I think it is. So um, do you think he? So how? Okay. So how do you think then? How did he? How did he do it? How did he not die? So when you look exploded. at the um, reverse angle of where that machine was that blew up, yeah, there's some steps going down a ladder, going oh. down. Yeah, go and watch it again. Um, there's a ladder going down, and I think he's jumped down that when it blew up to get out the way, because obviously if you're in the, the 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 actual explosion. If you're in the way of the explosion, you explode with it, right? It pretty much dis, you know disintegrates everything that it touches or is in in the blast range radius. Um, I think Hopper jumps down that and goes down that ladder and is is basically then hurt down the bottom because he falls down it or something, and that's where he gets captured. And then so he gets like basically spirited out of there, and the evacuation of the Russians trying to get out there before the American army comes. Yeah, so there's got to, so remember that ladder will lead to somewhere. That ladder won't be there for no reason. So it's either a quick getaway or it's whatever. So if he's fallen down there as the Russians are making their way out or rushing out, um, from that point he's dragged with them and thrown in jail. That would be how I would predict it anyway. That seems like a pretty good one. I think they I think that's definitely you know the plot line is laid for that, and I think that would set it up. And again, it would keep the character i think that if it was dr brenner uh maybe it's because that's how the russians first found out about it maybe he got captured somehow and you know they knew there was something going on and then he told them what it was and how to use it and get into it because you know he's probably just there for the science experiment so could be him we'll would see be a i let mean down. would be a letdown though big time it would if Hopper was gone. I think, you know, I think people have really become to love David Harbour. He's a great actor. He's going to be in the new Black Widow movie. He was in Hellboy, which yeah, I didn't see, but didn't turn out well. But I think people like seeing him. He's just a funny guy. And, 
you know, I don't know if you've seen on Twitter, he went to like a, 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 you know, some girl on Twitter asked him to come to her prom and he did. And, wow. you know, he's just kind of this larger than life guy. And I think it would be a lesser show without him, you know, certainly. So I think he'll be but, back, mate. Guaranteed. Guaranteed yeah. he'll be back. I think you're right. But I think we'll probably get Dr. Brenner too, because I, I think, you know, one of the other things is, is Eleven going to get her powers back? You know, it's clear that they're laying the foundation for that. Something has gone wrong. She's, she can't use her powers. Well, you know, we had that moment with, you know, the other, you know, like you said, mutant powers, like X-Men type kids who have those abilities. You know, we saw eight from season two. So we're probably going to see more of that. The showrunner said it, it would be kind of weird for them to not, you know, show us that and not give us more of that. So maybe Dr. Brenner will give her a foil and a villain for the next season and, you know, another plot line while they're also trying to figure out what's going on with the Upside Down and Hopper and the Russians. And then that plot line is got to be away from Hawkins for me. It can't be there again. It's just too much. It seems weird that everything could happen. Okay, we've had three se- seasons in a row of Hawkins, and it's been great. It's been everything we could have wanted, but it feels like it has to expand at some point. It doesn't have to go back to you know Chicago where it went in season two, but it, it's got to branch out a little bit. I mean, at minimum, you think people would start moving out of the town like people start dying every other year or disappearing at some point you got to be like there's got to be more towns at least in indiana well, they do move to. out and that's the key what you just said happens right at the end yeah they say forget this one they're staying here but like the whole town would move out i mean yeah. it made sense for the yeah, buyers the family funny thing is the whole town doesn't know the intricate detail like they do like that family does you know all they know but, is something's happened something's happened the more blew up but and if once a day, year somebody was dying and day. disappearing in your town, you might you might look at the missus and go, you know, we can live other places. Oh, you would. Oh, definitely. <laughs> and that's a good question to ask, you know, if we ever got to see the showrunners. Excuse me. Why are people still in the, in the town, you fuckers? Why aren't they getting out? But, um, yeah, how many more seasons, bud? What do you think? They've said, I think the showrunner said four or five. I think four... And again, we, we peppered in Game of Thrones. I mean, it's so, it's such a recent experience and, you know, colors what we think of these big time TV shows. But, you know, that's a show that could have in hindsight probably gone on another season plus, you know, in order to really finish it the way, you know, it deserves and give it justice. Unless they went like a supersized season four, I really think they're probably going to go five unless they say, look, all right, if we do two more seasons, you're looking at two to three years. I mean, these kids are going to get old. <laughs> like They're going to, they're just going to look old. You're not going to believe that they're, you know, high school or, you know, early I high think, schoolers. I think the fourth might be the last. I just don't see how they go a fifth, but I can't see it. I can't see where they go with a fifth. Next one's got to be the last one. I personally think it's just, Could it's be. just the ages will go too much. I think every two years. You know, they'll just be young. They'll be adults by then. Well, and that could be, I mean, if you're building the model, if you're, if it's going to go five, you know, maybe season four is like high school and then season five is like the end of his like, you know, sort of the going to college. Like we're really splitting up and this is the end and we're going to go our separate ways and we had this experience. But, you know, I think if you're going four, like you said, I think that's reasonable because, I mean, how much are they going to do? You're, the Russians are going to be back what is the upside down the mind flayer is still sort of out there you know you know what's the, what's the next villain you know they're still going to be trying to get upside down what's next coming out of there and yeah they've done a good job at you know it was much more 
you know, of an omnipresent villain this year, not just the demodogs, but you, like you said, you know, you had the people exploding and turning into these monsters and not just the mind flayer monster, but the mini mind flayer monster. But, you know, you'll, I mean, it still seems like there's some meat on the bone because I mean, 11 not having her powers is probably going to take up a lot of next season, you know, depending how quickly they get into some of that. Um, you know, are the, are, is everyone, are the people left in Hawkins, you know, in the know that are still there, like the wheelers, Lucas, Dustin, Max, are they going to go to the buyers? We're, you know, we don't know where the buyers and 11 are going. So it, that'll be something to see. So I think it depends on how many episodes. If they only do eight episodes, man, I don't know. That seems very short to end the whole show in eight more hours. Totally agree. It might have to be a supersized one. But it just makes sense to try and pack it up and make it really eight supersized, you know, powerful episodes mate i can't be doing with another three that slow it down you know if they could get it going for the whole season that would be something special it would so, pack a lot of action into it i mean yeah, i mean it, if they supersize them and well plus it's sort of the, yeah i would say it's sort of the british model too i mean you guys we have a tendency over here with some of our shows to really just beat them into the ground whereas you guys you know you kind of go out you know the george costanza out on a high note you know short seasons but also less seasons so maybe less is more it's just like i said it, it's going to be more about the narrative whatever the narrative needs I, that's how far i want them to go i want this to end on a really high note you know something like this last episode because when that this last episode ended all i wanted was st4 that's it I, so i hit the fast forward button and go into the future so i could watch the fourth season talking about the future what other references in the 80s do you think you'd like to see next well, we did get Carrie Elwes with Princess Bride, but maybe there's some more they can do on that, you know, kind of like the revenge narrative of, you know, maybe with, you know, Eleven trying to seek out um, Dr. Brenner and maybe find more about her past and things like that. So they could do maybe Princess Bride, one of the my favorite movies, um, maybe some time travel with some Back to the Future, Bill and Ted's, you know, excellent venture. I don't know, maybe if they have to get Hopper, maybe they go back in time, although... You know, after Endgame, maybe we've gotten a lot of time travel. But I, I did love how they did it where they influenced past events in, you know, back in the storyline. So maybe they do something like that. Or I think the I, Lost Boys, buddy, are coming. I, I was going to put that. I was going to bring that up. I'm glad you did, too. So maybe something yeah. where maybe that's the next monster coming out of the yeah. Upside Down. Do you think like a vampire or something? Yeah. Or, like or, that? Or, yeah. Or just a, a group of guys, you know, that type, that type of um you know, a bit more older than they are now. That that age, they're getting into their teens. You know, uh, further later into the teens, uh, and and them going away. And and it's very similar, isn't it? On bikes, motorbikes, rather than bike uh, cycles and stuff like that. You know, it'll be just moving to the next step. Yeah, I mean, they kind of had a little bit, sort of, in season two with you know eight in that gang of kids in Chicago. Maybe that's like a Warriors Lost Boys, but maybe they tie that in with you know the the Hawkins crew as well. I don't know. I was trying to quote. I was trying. I mean, they they've touched on so many of the '80s tropes, but I was like, maybe weird science. Maybe Dustin. You know, they create or they bring in some female like robot or some sort of female monster from the upside down. They do it that way, but they create something. Maybe there's some sort of weird sciencey thing type Predator there. I don't would know. Be good mate. Predator would be good. Predator could be good. Yeah, the I mean, kind of. Gets those, yeah, I mean, you got a little of the aliens. Predators would be good. You could bring back so the good. Terminator stuff. Honestly, yeah. it would just be just fantastic. <laughs> Maybe substitute the jung the forest for the jungle. They're back in the forest of Hawkins, and they're you know it's hunting them down. <laughs> exactly. Um, I wonder if they'll do Nightmare on Elm Street stuff at all, but they haven't done too much, have they? 
Uh, Jaws would be interesting as well. Somehow bringing that in, you know, if they go, if they're going abroad and they're on, yeah. you know, and they're in the sea, I don't know, anything could go, you know, anything could happen, right? There's a lot there and, and, you know, maybe they'll get, you know, some comedy moments, but yeah, I think Nightmare on Elm Street could work because, you know, one thing that they've, they've dipped the toe in the water and as I said, they did a little bit more this season when, you know, L was exploring the, um, you know, those kind of dream sequences, maybe that's when, you know, the mind flare is really going to level up and go to like a nightmare on Elm Street type thing. It's like, all right, I've tried, you know, controlling just will. I've tried, you know, becoming like an actual physical form and doing the body snatchers type thing. And that didn't work. I just got to just start killing people in their sleep, you know? So maybe that's how he's <laughs> going to do it. But, you know, cause it, but, or, are we going to get a different bad guy from upside down? That's no, that's the other thing. It's like, there's still so much we don't know about upside down. So that's the mythology that it, it feels like they're going to explore. And that's why I think, I think we're going to get two seasons. I, I think there's just going to be, they're going to have, I think they're going to start doing season four. And if they tried to wrap it up, they're going to be like, nah, but we want to talk about this. I think they've got a lot in store. It, it really feels like it. This season gave me a lot of confidence. That's, that's my overall impression of the season is like mm. you know i had a lot of expectations and this met all of them and so i have a lot of confidence that they're gonna you know kick on and go to bigger and better things amazing okay i think that's a good place to end the show scott um thank you so much for your time let's hope that the next season also does live up to your you know your, your expectations i'm i'm gonna just hold it and see what happens i really enjoyed this one I'm going to, you know, just enjoy it for now. It's a long way away. I'm not going to focus on it. I think we've done too much of uh, waiting for shows and stuff. Uh, Marvel have also, you know, um, released a list of their um, movies and stuff and TV shows. So oh, I reckon a couple of those will probably come before this. <laughs> wow, we know? have Star Wars at the end of the year. I mean, I that's going to be a major spectacle. So there's plenty of stuff to tide us over in the meantime. But no, yeah. this is going to be fun to rewatch. I'm sure I'm going to watch it several times. I mean, you know, it'll probably be another 12, 18 months before the next one or something yeah. like that. So we'll have some time to digest it. But I, I think it's just great to see a sh you know a show that people were slightly concerned about and where do we go next you know delivered on what was expected but we'll we'll have things to tide us over until then buzz can't go away there's plenty no, of us to no, talk no, about no. he'll be fine we're gonna do another show we've got to cover the the marvel you know all the stuff that's happening in that we will we'll try and get a show together for you uh in the next couple of weeks uh see if we can get a comic expert on it and discuss it all uh, i don't know if you'd be interested in something like that uh scott I'm always game, especially if you're going to do podcasts closer to my time. This works. <laughs> no, not anymore. This is the last time. I won't be in America for long. But um, maybe we can try something later in the week but, uh, and, and release it later, uh, later on after this one. But yeah, okay. Fantastic stuff. Thank you so much, Scott. Appreciate it. Thank you, and thanks to the listeners. We'll see you next time. Yeah, we'll see you next time on Buzz.
Sports Social Podcast Network.